Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris S. along with my co-host Chris W. This podcast is dedicated to providing lighthearted, concise analysis on everything concerning West Ham. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to Green Eggs and West Ham. Two games for the Hammers, and we have two wins so far. On this episode, uh, we're going to discuss a general overview of both both wins for the Hammers. Uh, if if Perez's uh, tackle was, should have been deemed a red card or not. Also, we'll kind of update how we feel like VAR has been implemented this season and how the changes have have been put into play in the Premier League. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with. Uh, Look forward to the end of the transfer window. Maybe a couple signings coming in soon. Uh, and then look forward to the Palace game. So, Chris, West Ham, top of the league, eh? Could, could those two games have gone any better? Yeah, I, I really don't think they could have. Um, we, we did have one or two defensive lapses uh, the first game. But besides that, it, I mean, we've been soaring. You know, our offense has looked incredible. They've been connecting. The chemistry has been ridiculous. And then even the defense... Uh, they've been good. It's just, like I said, there's one or two lapses, but I mean, last game against Leicester, you would think that uh, Leicester being a pretty, pretty good team and, uh, and finishing ahead of us last season, that was a big test, I think, in my opinion. And so I would have thought the defense would have struggled a little bit more with them, but uh, honestly, they were pretty lights out the whole time. Yeah, I've been, I've been, you know, can't complain about two wins, especially against teams that we have, either either are good teams or we've had difficulties with the past you know Newcastle we we didn't do so hot last year against them they just seem to be kind of our between Callum Wilson and, and Alan St. Maximum just we couldn't quite get a get a grip on their counterattack. but but I thought we handled them really well um really frustrated um St. Maximum as much as we could but yeah you know still couple defensive lapses, you know, Callum Wilson getting on the score sheet again against us. It's almost every time he plays us, it feels like. Um, but after, after that first goal, we really recovered. And uh, I thought we were the better team by far. Yeah, I did too. And, and that's what really impressed me against Leicester too, is there was not a single point in Leicester where I thought that they were the better team. You know, mm-hmm. I, we started out strong. Sometimes when West Ham starts out strong and gets a few goals, we, give up and, and kind of uh, open up a lot of holes, but we didn't. And we'll get to the red card in a second. That also uh, did play a big factor in the game. But to me, I, I really thought that the fact that we kept strong the whole Leicester game, we've got two wins. We're top of the Premier League. I mean, we've got the confidence behind us. We've got a really, really good starting 11. Um, there's not a lot of people that you know, I would sign and would come right, you know, right into our starting 11. So that to me is uh, a problem in the past that, has played West Ham. And now I think, you know, I, I think Moise has done a quite a good job. So I'll, I'll pose this question to you. you. You talked about our strong starting 11. All, all 11 of those were here last season. Do you see anything different so far in the first two games for any of those players? Yeah. The one that comes to mind for me is Ben Rama. Uh, ben Rama has been night and day and he was good last season. Uh, definitely good off the bench. He started a few games and I thought he had some good games, got a goal at the end. This season has been uh, a massive transformation, in my opinion. Um, you know, I expect Antonio to get a few goals. Like I expect um, Rice to play well, and he does, and he has continued to do that. But Ben Rama for me was, uh, you know, I I think he deserved to start, and then now it's like, well, he's on. I mean, 
unsubbable, really. Like you, you have to keep him in the team. Yeah, he seems at this point. Yeah, he. I thought he did play well last year. Got you know several assists for for such a short period of time, but so far in the two games this season, he's looked as potent as Lingard ever looked. You know, just kind of being that maestro in midfield, um, directing uh, both. I think he he scored a golden goal and an assist in the in the first game and got got himself another goal and assist this game. Uh, just incredible scenes, especially for someone that really took a long time to get, get some consistent playing time. Uh, didn't really play a lot during the first half of the season, really kind of only came on after a few injuries in the, in, in during the second half, but, but really, really has seemed to take the mantle up as, as the leader of that attacking midfield three. Yeah, I, I agree. And the other one, uh, I think that's put in a considerable amount of effort is Bowen. Now Bowen always puts mm-hmm. in the effort. Like we see that guy run an incredible amount each game, but to me, his ability, his skill has, has just stepped up the next step. Uh, really, you know, he's on the next level and I I like that about him. And I think that's been a a big key because with Lingard last season, we attacked down the left side and uh, we we had okay attacks down the right, but you know, with Sioux fall supporting and everything. But I think this season it's like, we're strong on both sides. We've got Cresswell backing up in Rama and obviously Sioux fall backing up Bowen. It's uh, it's been a game changer, I think for us. Yeah, and I think the what you talked about Bowen's work rate that allows Sufal to to be so much more involved when he knows if he extends all the way down the touchline that that he has Bowen to still help cover him, um, and and he's provided a lot of uh, a lot of kind of potency down that side too, uh, getting an assist this last game. Um, I kind of I guess we've already mentioned two of the attacking mid three players, but it, you know we'd be remiss if we didn't also mention Pablo Fornals. Man, what a game he had against Leicester! Kind of that just beautiful, you know, directed volley. You know, it made it look so casual, just hitting it right into the corner just to get our opener. What do you think his season's been so far? Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm really glad that we're actually playing him in the position that he's designed to play. Uh, last season, a few times, and especially the season before, we played him, in my opinion, out of position. We played him on that left side, um, on the wing. It, to, I mean, just when I see him play, he's a center attacking mid. And now that he's fit in that role, I mean, he's working really well, uh, spreading the field out when he needs to. He's creating space. He's getting key passes in. Um to me, he also has stepped up that next level, but I think a large part of that is just because he's been being played in his position, don't you think? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting because he Moyes has always been pretty flexible with that front three, but but it's almost taken on like another level this season because it almost seemed as he was playing defensively wide in the Newcastle game. Uh, but very defensively central in the Leicester game. You know, there was a lot of times where he would be pressing the Leicester back line kind of from the middle. Um, and I think that that has done him well, both in defense and attack, because he he doesn't necessarily have the pace to keep up with the players on the wing. He has the work rate, but he doesn't necessarily uh, have the pace to keep up with, with some of the quicker players. And so um, it was re- it's really great to see him flourish in that role, especially um, – that counterattack that led to his first goal, I thought he just played an excellent ball across to Ben Rama to open it up. Um, so, you know, you and I are, are big Pablo Fornals fans, so it's a, it's good to see that. Um, I guess kind of moving on to the um, the big moment of the Leicester game. Very controversial uh, decision. Uh, originally, uh, Iosi Perez 
tackles tackles for nows on the field no call uh it's it's looked at by var he's eventually sent off with a red card do you think that was a red chris yeah so <laughs> we had a, a pretty long discussion during the game about it too uh I do. I I definitely see that it was a red card. Um, In my opinion, it would have either been definitely a deserved yellow. Absolutely. Um, If I had been the ref, I have no, you know, no premier league ref experience, but just in my opinion, I I think I would have um, probably given the yellow and then said, look, like you're on extremely thin ice one more, like literally one more foul. Cause I mean, that it was, it was pretty dirty. The only saving grace was that for him, at least was a, it did look like he was stumbling a little bit. And when VAR slowed it down, it made, it definitely looked a hundred times worse. Um, I, I did see a big, uh, uh, this has no, um, I guess, uh, no actual weight to it, but it's just kind of interesting on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people were torn about it. Even Lester fans. Some people are saying, no, that's a straight red. And uh, I don't know. I do think it was a red. I also could have seen a yellow and like him be on thin ice. Um, I think it was a little bit of a soft, red oh i should say harsh red but but i see why it was given you know it it was right on that line for me especially when you go back to var you know you can't go back and give that yellow it's either you know the play continues or or you give a red so that's a that that already puts the the referee in a slightly different position than he would be making the call right away i'll i'll go ahead and admit when i saw it live and i like early on when i first saw the couple replays i didn't think it was a red I thought it seemed accidental at first um, after the first few replays, but then I, I looked at when they slowed it down, that obviously does make it work worse. That can't be everything, but it looked like he did extend his leg out further. I thought he, you know, I, I was kind of on, on board with the side of like, Oh, he, it looked like he was stumbling at first, but you really look at it more and he extends his leg out. He intended to make a challenge. And for me, that's what kind of did it in the end that where it wasn't a sure red card. He, he, he did, he wasn't simply stumbling. He did intend to make a challenge and he missed, you know, I don't think he intended to, to hurt for now, but he right. intending a challenge and it going that bad. It's a reckless play. You need to get sent off. I, I do think it was a reckless challenge. I don't think he went into hurt for now. like you said, but I, the key, like you said, um, him saying is like at that level, at that professional level, you you know what you're doing, you know, and even yeah. if you stumble a little bit, like sure, kind of people get that, but, um, and that's going to happen to pros or it's going to happen to, you know, high school or whatever, but, but there is, it, you do have to take into consideration that pros know what they're doing. And to me, that, that part does play into it where it's like, you know, and, and it was a bad challenge down, too. Cause like he wasn't yeah. anywhere close to the ball. I mean, like yeah. he, he was a good few feet off. So yeah, it was not, um, I mean, it's a tough call. I don't know how I'd feel if it were reversed. I might feel in during the game that was a little harsh, but uh, like you said, it's it's it, it's a red. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, so the other thing too is uh, Lester was fouling a, a decent amount, and it is a little risky on the ref part. Now I know you can't give a yellow when you go into VAR, but I'm just saying if you could, um, if the ref had given a yellow there, it is a little risky because it's like, okay, well he just did that reckless challenge and it, it literally hurt the player. Um, you know what? That's kind of giving him an opportunity to do something else. Even if he is sent off, it uh, he could do more damage. So, you know, that was a really reckless challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and, so what do you think of the implementation of VAR? Cause that did change from last season to this season. 
So I've been pleasantly surprised. I, you know, I've, I've watched both West Ham games and, and about two and a half full length, other premier league games this season. And I've noticed a, a big difference in, in how they're operating the VAR first. It seems to be much smoother. They're not taking five years to, to review everything like they used to. They're waiting for the break. The, the VAR guy gives them a pretty quick decision to say, Hey, go look at this or, or Hey, you don't need to look at this. And once they make, once they decide to go over the ref, the, the on-field ref goes over, takes a look and decides within, you know, a few replays. Uh, and so that streamlines it a lot, I think. Um, second of all, the offsides change, I think is huge where they're not drawing the, you know, drawing that little millimeter perfect line, but they're giving a little bit of deference um, to, to the call on the field and just to the, to the player in general. I think that's good. You know, I don't think a play should be decided if uh, the, the, the nose of the attacker was one millimeter off for, you know, versus three millimeters off. Um, so that's, I think better. And then also, I, I just think it's, um, they, I'm sure we will have controversy throughout the season in the two West Ham decisions this year. The, the Pablo Fornells penalty in the first game and then the, the red card in this one, they came to what I thought was a quite reasonable conclusion. They changed the ruling on the field, but there was enough evidence to, to change that ruling, it seemed like. And they didn't, it didn't take them watching it 15 times to get it done. Um, it, it, you know, the, the red card one took a little bit longer because, you know, a red card is a very serious um, penalty uh, to, to assess, but, but it, you know, it, it's, it all seemed to fit within the flow of the game. Um, and overall, I've been very pleased. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, there's not too much more to say about that. I, I do think the implementation has been helpful with how they've done it this season. And now we're only two weeks in. We'll see if that continues. But I think for right now, they've changed it in a positive way. Um, and I do kind of like how like you're mentioning the play's a little bit more fluid now and they're letting the play go and it's a quicker check. Like to me through the first two games, I haven't felt that um, I, when we score, I'm, I'm already going nuts. It's not like, you know, Oh, do, is Vieira going to pull that back or not? Uh, and, and that's a change that I think really needed to happen. Yeah. And I think the linesmen have been more active, uh, making sure they they are trying to call the most accurate um, play instead of a lot of times last season, they were kind of instructed to let the play go on for a bit. And then VAR would kind of retcon the situation and then decide later, which I, I see from an accuracy standpoint, why that, that the last season approach is better, but from a fluidity and game flow sense, this is much miles better in my, in my opinion. Well, and I know that uh, the, the, calls have two important calls have gone towards West Ham. However, in the most unbiased way I can, I would say both games have been pretty well raft. I thought, uh, do you think so? I would say so. I I thought the early on in the Leicester game, um, I thought that the ref kind of swallowed his whistle a little bit. There could have been a few more fouls, especially on on ball tackles that were a little rough, but, but overall, I mean, I don't think it was biased one way or the other. I thought he, he was pretty consistent with his, um, with the way he called the game. And overall, I, I, yeah, I thought both games were, were relatively well done. As far as um, the, the kind of the, the game setup goes, do you, do you think Moy set up well in both of these games? Yeah, uh, that's a great question because there was some debate whether we should have had more defenders or whether sticking with the four is good back there. Um, I, uh, I think we're setting up pretty well. I, I really don't think you can change. First of all, a winning team, you know, that's uh, the old adage, never change a winning team. 
but the chemistry right now that we've got on the field is something that you really can't mess up in my opinion. And also, I don't really know who else from the bench you would put in. Um, I like the formation. I like how our attack is working, you know, so, and our four defenders honestly are covering pretty well. So there's not really a whole lot I would change. I think Moise has done a really good job tactically setting up for each game. And that, you know, comes from last season as well. Uh, I, I thought he always pretty, for the most part, met the, uh, met the challenge and, you know, had a clear idea and clear direction for what he wanted the team to do. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely support the the formation and the, the the team selection. I thought what what was even more impressive than that is that he adapted so much from game one to game two, depending on the opponent, and, and in a way that he I didn't really see a lot too much from him last season, um, where we knew we outclassed Newcastle player by player, so we we had a lot more possession. We generated our chances by um, working the ball, getting it around, getting it in the box um, from wide areas, and played with, I, I want to say, close to 60% possession in that game uh, and, and dominated in that sense. Whereas Leicester, we know how – and we still managed to count, to neutralize the counterattack from, from Newcastle. Whereas in Leicester, we know Vardy's too dangerous to, to do that. We can't. Um, play that same way and dominate position, and we know that New- and we know that Leicester likes to play that to play that way as well, where they sit back. But we didn't let them. We um, we absorbed their pressure well. I think they had you know before the red card they had sixty percent possession, and kind of even through the first half, even with ten men, uh, they still had the majority. Um, where we really hurt them on the counter, out, kind of out. Um, we we played the game that we know we can beat them at instead of letting playing to the way that they want to play. Uh, and I thought that was really beneficial both times to, to, to have the same formation, same 11 players, but play a not completely different style, but a different enough style to, to kind of out out manage the opponent, the opponent's manager, both games was really impressive. I completely agree. And with Lester too, uh, the coach brought on, I think it was one, it could have been two attacking players, even though they were 10 men down. And actually I, I did like that call for them because they were losing. Um, and he was like, you know what, let's just, let's go for the win. And and I like that because that's a coach that is fighting for the win. Um, I don't know Lester's players that well, so I can't you know say whether they were good decisions or not, but, but West Ham adapted to that. And we punished them when they sent players forward, you know, they would commit a high number of, uh, of attackers forward and we would just counterattack and, and really punish them for it. Um, the other thing too is when like people are getting back, like you mentioned, Bowen, Fornals, and even Ben Rama, uh, they're hard workers. You know, you would never have seen, I think, in my opinion, Anderson uh, if he was playing in Ben Rama's position, come defend. Whereas Ben Rama is at least attempting to. You know, well, that uh, even seems different than how Ben Rama was like during parts right. of last season. Where I think he that's seems making a big to care difference. that much more. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I think that's been really nice too, and and, and I think I really think that Moyes. Uh, that you can credit Moyes with that. Yeah. Well, it's definitely an attitude change. Um, even just in the players that he brings in, you think of some of the players that run the most each game, Sufal, Suchek, and Bowen, those are all Moyes signings. Um, same for, same for you know, Ben Rama. I wouldn't put him as the having the highest work rate, but he's shown a big improvement. And I, I think that, that, can very be, that can be attributable to Moyes as well. Uh, so let's kind of look forward to um, 
Yeah, well, so you, you mentioned looking forward and we've got Antonio. Um, Antonio scored the most goals. And now he's uh, broken the record at West Ham, which is, I mean, congratulations to him. That is a fantastic yeah. achievement. Um, we talked about it a little bit throughout the game and just back and forth over text. Uh, there's sometimes he misses the key passes in, but sometimes he is absolutely spot on and scores incredible goals um, is in the right position. Great hold up play. I mean, so it's, he's obviously a very key player in West Ham. Something I'm uh, very worried about is his injury record, you know, and I really don't think Yarmolenko can fill. So do you think that uh, it's smart to either, how long would you play Antonio each game? And even like, let's say it wasn't just, you know, four, one, but it was like a one zero game. How long do you keep him in there for? That's tough. I do. I see why, for for morale reasons, Moyes kept him in so long, trying to let him get a hat trick this past game. Um, I still think he probably should have been subbed off at about the 70th minute, or you know, just after we went up three one. That's what I would have taken him off. Um, normally, I, I really don't want him playing too much past the 75th minute. I know that's um, that's not what Moyes is going to do. Moyes is going to play him close to the end every time. Yep. Um, but you, you, you need to preserve him, especially with, um, the, you know, Carabao cup coming up the, the Europa league draw coming up soon. So we'll, we'll likely have kind of fixtures set for those. Um, you need to save him, especially, you know, we, if we have to sign another striker, we have Yarmolenko as, as what would be most likely the, the player, um, if he goes down, maybe Odebeku, if he's given a chance, uh, but besides that, I guess you guess you could play Bowen up top, but then that also leaves you uh, with with a gap in midfield. Um, so really, you know, if Antonio goes down, that's your entire offensive strategy out the window. Um, I would say I wouldn't play him later than the 75th minute. Yeah, and I, I think ideally you would play him uh, up to like the 60th to 70th is when you'd be summing him out, but we've got to stretch him, you know, and I mean, every time he runs, I'm a little, little bit worried about those hamstrings, but I, I do think, I, I think you're, yeah, you're spot on with that. Um, it's tough for him to play the whole game. And if he does end up playing the whole game, if it's like a really tight one zero and we need to come back, you know, maybe we're losing one zero and you play him that whole game. Uh, I think you definitely either maybe start bowing up top or, or somehow rest him because he's like a little, uh, you know, glass case. Like you have to be really careful with him. Um, otherwise yeah. you're going to be in trouble for the season. So. And so kind of moving on to that, let's let's talk about how the, the transfer window might end if we can get, get a replacement in, or not a replacement, I'd say, uh, an, an additional depth player at that position. So it kind of reports are, at least of now, um, it looks like we might sign Zuma in, in the next couple of days. So we can we can talk about that in a minute. But but as far as striker goes, still no, you know, heavily linked targets, no, no bids made. What are you thinking at this point? What are we four, four, five days out from the transfer window? Yeah, yeah, that's actually shocked me a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I I do like the Zuma signing. We'll get to that later, but to me, you know, we have a little bit more defensive options than we do striker, and we've we've talked about that too. Uh, striker is is a big problem for us. Um, Yarmolenko is decent. He can't he can't do the same that Antonio has. And if you put Bowen up top, you're going to have to put someone on that right side. Maybe it's Fredericks, but that's kind of, you know, all you have, unless you put in some of the youth. So I'm actually really surprised we haven't had more uh, 
interest in a striker. The one saving grace I would say is if you look at the past signings, it, to me, you just have to trust history and, and like West Ham and, and David Moyes has brought in excellent players, even if they've been last minute signings, um, it, you know, Bowen, I mean, he had, he was on the train to medical and I think we had to get an extension, like, but, but he's been really good. So I'm trying to trust that it's tough, but I'm trying to trust that we're actually finding the right player and not just a player. Yeah. I, I think for, for striker, I'm, I'm not super confident in us getting the right player just because we need someone. If, if we really thought we knew who the right player was, we would have tried to get them. We, this would have been several weeks into the process of trying to sign someone. Um, but, but yet we're still being linked with new names daily um, which kind of shows that all of our other targets have either fallen through or, or not really been pursued. Uh, but then kind of going to um, back to someone who, who we have targeted for a while, looks like Zuma will likely sign in the next couple of days. We talked about center back being one of the positions we could improve on. You know, I'd say Ogbon has been good both games. Dawson was excellent in the Leicester game, but I thought it showed some weaknesses in the, the game against Newcastle. Where do you see Zuma fitting in? Do you think he goes into the starting 11 or do you think he needs to wait a bit before he plays? Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of treat him like Ben Rama. Now, I would trust Moyes in whatever he does because Moyes would know him a lot better than I do. Um, the way I see it, though, is we've got a lot of games coming up with, you mentioned, Carl Burrow Cup and the uh, Europa League. So uh, I think I would right now. And also, Dawson's played, I think, well enough that he hasn't necessarily like, lost a starting spot. You know, he's still going for headers. We need him for that, uh, definitely on corners. And then he is a, a really good center back. So um, I think I would definitely, you know, start um, Dawson. And then in some of those games, maybe if we go up 4-1 or, you know, are up by a little bit, you could fit Zoom in there. You also could work him in with all these other cup games that are coming up um, just to give maybe Ogbonna or whoever a rest uh, and, and kind of slowly work him in and, and almost like he needs to like prove himself for the team. You know, I, I don't think there's too many players like I was mentioning that come in and just start straight away. Um, and I think that's also good for them that they need to work into the team. Like to me, Ben Rama has worked into the team and that has uh, is paying off now because before it was kind of for now it's been Rama for now it's been Rama. And now like they both work themselves into starting 11. And I, so that's what I would do with Zuma. Is that kind of how you track or. I think I'd be a little more quick to put him in. You know, I, I think Dawson's been great. I still, he still offers, like you said, a lot of threat on set pieces. Um, but I think our our best team probably doesn't include him. You know, our, our highest ceiling is not with with, with Dawson. So, um, I mean, Zuma's a player that that's featured for Chelsea a lot. You know, he's not always their first choice, but he's often featured for them, has great physical talents, still young enough. I think, you know, if we get him, we'll be a player for the next several years. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And so, you know, I think he probably needs a week or two to train with the team before he gets in, in on the, you know, starting. But, but besides that, I, I, I see sooner than not him being one of our first choice center backs. And it, I don't even need, necessarily needs to think it needs to be always just in place of Dawson. I think it might, you know, with, we talked about rotating Antonio, it might be beneficial to rotate on Bana as well. Keep him fresh. He's, he's even older than, um, than Antonio and you're not as inj- not as injury prone, but has had injuries in the past. 
Um, obviously, I think any big game he needs to be the, the the starter, but I think it's definitely would be nice to have another high quality center back to rotate through. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, what would you do with uh, with some of the youth coming in? Would you try to implement them more? And what kind of games would you do that in? For me, I think Autobeku is the one who had. Well, no, I take that back. Coventry is the one I would intentionally try and incorporate. Um, I, I understand bringing in Mark Noble as a sub, um, but I would honestly prefer Coventry as the as the return player or as as kind of that sub player coming in. 80th minute on giving you fresh legs in the midfield. Um, he had a fantastic uh, early season or, you know, kind of preseason scoring goals, giving assists uh, looked really like a real player and, and he needs to get game time to really develop. So he's the first one uh, beyond that. I think Odubeku would be, it would be a nice one to, to get involved. What about you? Yeah, no, I definitely agree on Coventry. I think Coventry is a little bit more, um, set because Noble's on his way out and Coventry's kind of the only player we've got there with Lancini too. Lancini's struggling with some injury issues. Um, well, you say he's set there, but do you think he's probably getting a little annoyed at this point that he hasn't been given a, a real chance to go at the team? Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good question. Um, if I, now I don't know his mindset this season would be the decider for me, because if he's going to get into the team, this is a, uh, the season to do it. Suchek and Rice are going to start like they're, they're absolutely going to start. However, you need that player. Like right now it's noble who comes in when we need to give one of them a rest, or we need to save them a little bit more. And to me, you know, that's what Coventry needs to go for. That's what he needs to develop into. I was a little bit surprised, honestly, that we put noble on and and didn't uh, put Coventry on. I, I don't know what the decision was for that, but we were up by quite a bit at that point. Do you think it might have been just the first game back with fans in the stadium? Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I understand that more towards the end of the season. You know, I, I get that point, but also, like, at what point do you not, like, please the fans? Like, you're there to win a game. You know, That's you're true. there to develop players. It, I understand. If it was the last game of the season, like, sure, that makes complete sense. But um, we've still got a whole season to go. So, to me, I just probably would have chosen differently. Um, the one player I, I want to see Odebeko. I, I have, I'm actually shocked we haven't seen him more because we have so little strikers, uh, so few strikers on the team right now. But uh, man, Odebeko, I, I, I want to see him. And I really think he could be a solid striker. I really think he could be the one that, um, that really fits in. Even, I mean, we had Baptiste too. And, and we've talked about Baptiste a little bit. I'm a little bit surprised I haven't seen more of him um, because to me, he showed some solid talent and solid games uh, when I've seen him play. So that was one player that surprised me a little bit, um, but but I would like to see Odebeku kind of like over him because I think we need him more. Yeah, I think that the, the need is definitely greater at the striker area. I'd say, pro- yeah, I agree with you. Baptiste has looked really good. He he has a very crowded path to the to start. In my, he's young too. He's super he's, young. he's really young. Just I think seventeen. We have a very proven first team player in Diop in front of him. Yes. Uh, and so that that might be a reason we don't see him come uh, in in much contact with the first team. I also think one one player, you know, overall I've been disappointed with this transfer window. I have, I have not been disappointed in the number of highly talented youth players we brought in. Uh, Nevers, Aquaflex, particularly Aquaflex, seems to be tearing it up um, in the in the friendlies. He's you know scored a hat trick. 
in, in one of the games, I think he scored in, in one of the preseason friendlies against Celtic or Celtic. Um, if we end up playing, um, if we end up not bringing in another striker and need to play Bowen at, for long periods of time up front, he could be one to bring it on the wing to kind of fill in that role. I think very, seems to be very electric, very, very direct player um, scores a lot of goals from the wings and, and he'd be one I'd like to see. Actually, that's a good shout for him because I think that's what we were hoping for with Holland. Right. Yeah. Um, but Holland's injury prone and he's, I believe again at Oxford now. Um, so uh, to me, he's just, yeah, kind of not really on that path to work into the team. Coventry does seem like he is. Um, so you're right. I think we are bringing in some smart youth players and I'm excited for that. I just hope that we haven't in the past, you know, very few um, we've actually taken those youth players and put them into the West Ham team, but it looks like we've got some really good young talent right now. And I'm excited for that. Yeah, we really do. I mean, the last player that really stuck from the youth team was Declan Rice. Yep. I mean, we, we have, um, you know, I, you know, John say Johnson stuck, but he's not a guaranteed starter every time, but uh, it, it would be nice to see uh, a little stronger pipeline from the youth team into the, into playing time at the first team. Um, uh, speak, speaking of so many games, did you see uh, kind of off topic, but did you see we play man United uh, twice in two days? <laughs> we play them back to back. Yeah. I guess because yeah. we got that. We drew them in the Carabao cup. Huh? Man, that, yeah. was a, that was an unlucky draw. I th- and yeah. I think we're way at Old Trafford for, for the We cup. are. Yeah. Well, the thing is, too, I thought, Tim, it was like, we didn't we play them last season in that cup? and Possibly. I'm pretty sure we did. So, I don't know. To me, I was like, two, two seasons in a row is kind of interesting. But It's almost as if the balls aren't random. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact that we play them back-to-back really surprised me because I was like, that. I don't know. That's just tough to do to both teams. Games back-to-back days, but also against the same team that you just played. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess the last the last item on the agenda is looking forward to the to the Palace game. So do you think we keep our, our streak going and uh, stay at the top of the table? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. Uh, Chelsea beat them 3-0. Palace are yet to score. They tied Brentford 0-0 last game. So I, I haven't watched their games, uh, but Chelsea to me is is a team that um, maybe slightly better than us, but is kind of our level. And if they beat them 3-0 and the fact that Palace tied Brentford 0-0 tells me that we should carry this game. Uh, and I'm hoping to really to, to get a few goals and um, keep ourselves at the top. I would say I, I'm going to go 3-0 with this one too, uh, just as my prediction. I, I do think we've got the confidence behind us. We've got the players. I wouldn't change a thing with the starting 11, especially, you know, this season, I mean, this, uh, this game coming up. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go three zero. How about you? Uh, I am, I'm optimistic that we'll win. I'm not as optimistic on the score. I, I think we'll, we'll win two one. I think both our offense comes a little back down to earth uh, in this one, but I, and I also think we give up, you know, probably one goal. They have, they have some good players between Eze and, and Zaha that, that could really be, be dangerous. Um, but like you said, I don't, I don't expect them. They, they haven't scored a goal yet. I don't really expect them to score a ton against us, but I can see them getting one. Um, but this is another game where I, f- I feel like we probably dominate possession uh, a little more in, in, in line, like we did in the Newcastle game. Um, I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, we've been very threatening on our corners, but we haven't really, we haven't gotten any goals from set pieces yet. I think that changes this week. I think we get a, a goal off of either a corner or a free kick 
with with either Dawson or Suchek getting a header. I actually meant to mention that. I don't know if you saw, but Dawson was a free player uh, just within the box. He was unmarked. And and if you saw, if you watched our corners, we're, we switch it up, not every corner, but almost every corner. And I, I really like that fact because a lot of our players are getting free. A lot of our players, like Dawson, like I was mentioning, was unmarked. Um, one time we did a short run. I mean, I, I think, yeah, like you said, a corner goal is coming. And I definitely do see it this season, uh, this game. I was really impressed with the tactics. I think Moyes, and, and that's just straight up drilling corners and, and the different options we have. Um, and, and also credit to Bone and Cresswell for delivering some fantastic balls. Yeah, they've, they've, they've been really putting them on the mark, giving our players a, a good go. And like, yeah, I agree with you that the, the tax, tactics have been spot on. Getting, our, getting us opportunities, I think sooner or later, those will fall. Um, besides that, do you think, I, the last question, we we have signed Ariola, but but he hasn't featured yet. Would you consider would you consider starting him over Fabianski, or would you would you keep Fab in goal? Yeah, so this is one where I, I would actually um, defer to Moyes one hundred percent because Fabianski is a little bit older. I want to work um, uh, obviously, you know, work Ariola into the team, but I he was solid too. He's a solid keeper, so I think just because of the amount of games we have, there's no need to rush starting him. I think definitely in maybe some of the cup games or some of those, the goal Cooper's don't necessarily need a ton of rest, but that's probably where I'd work him in a little bit more. Um, I like, it's kind of the same with Dawson where I don't think Dawson or uh, if Fabianski in this case has lost their starting spot, they've been good, you know? So to me, I don't want to punish a player just because they've been good. So um, I would kind of wait until, I mean, Fabianski's had some injury issues. That might be a really good chance for um, Ariola to work in. But yeah, I, I, right now I think you keep Fabianski and, uh, and he's, I mean, he's proven too. So uh, as is Ariola, but I, I think Ariola's time is coming. It's just not quite yet. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd, I'd keep Fabianski in there. You know, I, I only think he kind of made, he made one mistake in the, or well, I wouldn't even call it a mistake. There was a goal in the Newcastle game I thought was in diving reach for him. Uh, but besides that, I thought he's played very well, um, been very sure-handed. And so it, it'd be a little harsh to, to sub him out at this point. But, I, yeah, I agree. I think Ariola will get his opportunity, and I think he'll shine when it does. I, you know, I long-term, I, I see him taking over, especially with Fad's age. So Yeah, and, and I mean, that was a good signing. Like, yeah. it, it, we talk about, you know, oh, we need these players. That was a good signing, and I'm glad that we're looking ahead in other positions that like we knew that was coming up for sure. It just wasn't our top priority this season, but we knew it was coming. So I'm actually really impressed with that signing. And even if, I mean, we need more players in my opinion, but um, that was very smart. Yeah. It's interesting how in some positions we seem to look at like in that, and it looks like we're, we're buying ahead kind of in center back, but other positions like striker, we just don't seem to, don't seem to look forward to. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting that, that's not kind of a uniform approach at the club. Yeah. Yeah. And I do wonder, there's a part of me that wonders if Moise is doing that uh, to find the right player. Like you mentioned that we really didn't have a right player lined up or we would have already started talking to him. So part of me is, is a thing that, and, and seeing those signings in the past, that's my thought that Moise just hasn't found that exact player. Um, but I mean, only time will tell. So. Yep. Well, with that said, hopefully next episode we talk and we're still top of the table. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm excited to record next week. Yep. All right. Well, that, that concludes our episode. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. <laughs>